everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, what's up? Guess what? I decided to go back to the gym and made it in on Wednesday and again on Sunday. Hey, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. I How about you? need to do that. I'm just chilling. I realized I was going too fast. I had to slow down a little bit. So I'm trying to like relax a little bit. I've been so stressed and so focused on things that I have like let everything else go, which is not uncommon. But now I have all these like things in my life that I haven't taken care of. And like my house is like destroyed and everything. And so I started on Friday, just slowly picking up one room at a time and cleaning the house and just being still this weekend. That is also a win. Congratulations. I'm happy to hear. Thank you. And I feel better this week. So I'm going to take it as a win. Awesome. And the weather's getting nicer. I'm very happy about that. We're back almost to the 80s here in Phoenix, which is my type of weather. Nice and sunny. So good. So today we were going to talk about something and then something else came up. So now we're not going to talk about that something. Instead, we're going to talk about something else. I am actually going to interview Julie, ask her several questions about being a junior, because as y'all know, this is a junior focused podcast. And so we want to do more work in that area. Obviously, everyone likes to hear Julie, because why would you not be listening to the show? Oh, please. Um, but I've heard a lot of people really like to hear her opinion on issues and things that juniors are going through, and they get like an insight into it. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. So Julie. Welcome. <laughs> so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Okay. Even though I, people are really listening to you. Oh, no, no, no. They're listening to us. So how long have you been writing Ruby on Rails? My first language is in Ruby back in 2019. That's when I first started dabbling in programming and I was just seeing if programming is right for me. I also did this solo and I did not have a community. So I almost kind of quit until 2020 with COVID and I somehow found communities. And so during that time, though, I switched to another language. I didn't go back to Ruby until 2021 when I did a boot camp. I've talked about this boot camp in the past. It's called All Aboard Boot Camp. And that's when I learned Rails as well. And I guess I've been dabbling in it ever since then, off and on. And what were you doing before you were a coder? Because this is the part of your cool story. I forget about that. So I was a pharmacist before. I still have my license and I could still practice and I still update it, but I don't have intentions on going back only because in retail pharmacy, I had to be in the store at specific times. And for someone who is always worried they're going to be late opening up the store, I stressed out all the time. And I still have nightmares that I'm late to work and people are waiting for me to open the doors. This weekend, I snapped out of bed in like a sweat and I was freaking out. And I just had a nightmare that I didn't show up to a meeting at work. And that I also was going to fail the test that I had later that day. <laughs> I was like, I didn't study for this meeting. I missed my meeting at work. Oh my God, those two things coinciding in a nightmare was awful. That is horrible. So you went to a boot camp. What do you think that the boot camp 
did really well at teaching you? You know, I really appreciated having what we had. I think they're called Tech Talkie Thursdays, something like that, where our bootcamp instructor, John Kripezzi, invited guests in the field to come and share their story. There were just people in management, people in recruiting, software engineers, and it was really nice to kind of hear from them and ask them questions. What I think he also did well is he's really good at breaking down a concept into something easy to grasp and understand, kind of like explaining a concept to a five-year-old. Like, I really need that. And he would have a visual too. So he would like draw out a diagram while he's explaining it. So I really like that. What do you think that they could have done better? I will admit that if I did not have programming experience beforehand, I may not be able to make it through. It's a one month boot camp, and it's pretty. It's intense. Yeah, it is intense because you're learning in the four weeks, you're learning Ruby, Rails, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So I've had a little bit of experience in all of those except for Rails. And therefore, I was able to kind of complete it and do a final project. But I feel like it could be quite challenging for folks who are brand new. Yeah, that sounds kind of like summer school. Like I did summer classes in college. Worst experience in my life. Mm -hmm. They take like a class that would be a semester and they chop it into like three or four weeks. The pace and the level of work is incredible. (laughs) And it's not easy to keep up. And it's easy to fall behind. Like you slip once, you slip. That's impressive. Four weeks. (laughs) Hey, we're going to give you four weeks for something that people do in four years. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty cool. It's great because he gives us all of the tools that we need. And then we grab those tools and then we keep learning on our own. So he's giving us foundational knowledge that we can build off of, which I really appreciated. When you were in bootcamp, did you ever have like this moment where like you did something and you were like, holy crap, that's so cool. What point did you like start to fall in love with programming? I don't know if it was during the bootcamp because I think it happened before that. I did another kind of community learning. I've also mentioned this in the past. It's called Code in Place. Stanford put up this big effort to put out their first half of an introductory computer programming course. And they released their lectures online and they even included section leaders. There were, I believe, around 900 section leaders and each section leader had about 10 students and they would meet every week to go over a coding problem and answer any questions. So I really enjoyed learning in a community like that because I need more kind of hands-on, hand-holding sometimes, be able to ask questions. And it was through that course where I did a final project My final project was Tetris. I did Tetris because I wanted to build something where I could teach my kids how to play a game. But Tetris is very challenging with like seven different shapes. And so I made it so that I could only have the sticks and the squares go down and have the kids play that first. And I think that was when I fell in love with programming. I was like, cool, I just built something. The kids can play it. It's very visual. And... I kept wanting to build off of it. Then I wanted to keep score or I wanted to show what the next piece was going to come out would be. And it was just really fun. 
So you've actually built Tetris. I built Tetris once, but I didn't build it. <laughs> I was supposed to build it in Java. And then I learned what GitHub was. I learned there was a place where people store all their code. <laughs> I learned about sharing software code. <laughs> so I never well, wrote see, Tetris. You, <laughs> that is probably smarter and less time consuming. I did build it, but I had a lot of fun solving some of the challenges that I came across, for example, trying to rotate the thing, but rotate it and not hit another block. I couldn't tell you how I did it. And it's also in Python. Love Python. If you could change something about your bootcamp experience, what would it be? Or something that you would tell yourself if you could go back? I personally wouldn't change anything about the bootcamp. I think the bootcamp was a really great experience for me. I think even after the bootcamp was over, that was when I felt like I was ready to look for jobs. And that's when I applied to Maria Co Academy. So let's talk about the interview process. What was that like? I only have one experience to go off of, but I was super terrified just hearing these stories about having a whiteboard and other things that people talk about that could be really scary. The interview that I went through was actually nothing like that. And it was a pair programming experience and you pair programmed on your take-home assignment. So you kind of built off of something you are already familiar with and it's your own code. So I felt like that was a really nice experience. I didn't have to look at brand new code. And I also remember I couldn't figure out how to read and write to a file and I sort of froze, but the interviewers said, you can look this up, you can Google this. And they just made the process super, I mean, I was still terrified, even though they were very nice about everything. I was still terrified and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to read and write to a file. I knew how to do it for Python, but I, this was in Ruby and I kind of just freaked out. I also didn't finish answering all the prompts. And so I thought I blew it. I decided after the interview was over that I was going to try to finish answering the prompts anyways and send over the responses. I don't know if they would have taken it into consideration or anything, but I didn't feel good about not being able to answer prompts. Realized later, I guess it didn't matter because I ended up getting accepted. Hi there, Julie here. I would like to take a moment to thank GoReels for sponsoring this episode. When I was first starting out, I struggled with finding up-to-date content to help me level up. Then I learned about GoReels. Not only does GoReels provide new screencasts weekly, they also have two fantastic instructors that break down complex topics into digestible chunks. On top of that, I really appreciate when they explain the whys behind the subject. One of my favorite walkthroughs is creating your first Ruby gem from scratch. What a great way to learn by stripping down to just the basics. If you care about leveling up as a Ruby engineer, you can't go wrong with GoRails. Check it out at GoRails.com. So what were some early challenges? Like now you're out of boot camp, you have a job. What were some of the early challenges? The first one being, this is like my first entry into a brand new career. It was like my very first job out of school again, even though I had already had an established career. I'm going to bring this up. Imposter syndrome was pretty high. The other thing that made it really challenging was I was a part of six apprentices, which is nice because we went through onboarding together. But a part of the onboarding, there was one other 
engineer who is a senior. And so while we were going through the onboarding together, the senior engineer would ask all these crazy questions. And I'm sitting over here like, I don't know, I couldn't grasp we were being onboarded on, much less like know to even ask those types of questions that he was asking. So that was a bit discouraging. I felt like at that time I was focused on trying to understand the concepts that were being presented. And I maybe grasped like 5% of the onboarding experience. It's nice to have these onboarding experiences though, because we started recording them. So I could always go back and watch the videos. There's also a, we use Notion at work. There's Notion documented onboarding stuff. So I can always go back. And I think I learned to remember that we have those and go back to them whenever I needed to and not try to grasp everything all in the beginning. Yeah. So like kind of building up your own list of resources that maybe the company owns, maybe you own some of them. It's very nice for me. Like when I joined Podia, there was like a specific page. They had a lot of documentation too. And they were like, we're going to walk you through the onboarding process was different than all the other ones I've ever done, but they had all these documents and I have them all listed in my notes now. I go back to some of them quite often of like, what are the ways we do certain things? You know, how do we think about certain things? What are some of the patterns that we feel strongly about? Having all that documented is really helpful for people like us who maybe need to read things twice or maybe need to hear them and then read them to like cement it. So yeah, that's always great. You talk a lot about how community is really important to you. When did you first start getting into quote unquote, the Ruby community? That happened... I would say during or immediately after the bootcamp, because that's when I started Ruby again. So I think I had a Twitter account, but I never used it. And then I started using it during the bootcamp just to share any news about the bootcamp and meet new people. So that was 2021. When did you join WNBRB? You know, that was around the same time. It was probably like a month or two after WNB.RB began. So you kind of just jumped in. Yeah, I think it just happened to coincide with when I decided to go back into Ruby. Maybe people who know my story know it's kind of similar in the sense of like, I had no community. There was no one around me learning Ruby. No one interested in Ruby except for the three or four people that sat in the same office with me every day. And so I got into podcasting and conferences and everything now that I've gotten into from that because I had to find community. And it's out there. So that's cool that you were able to find it early on and feel supported by that. And then I'm assuming like that helped you because then you went to RailsConf and then like you've done a ton of stuff since then. So you're not a beginner anymore. You're advancing I, in your career. I will always be a beginner. I will too. But <laughs> in terms of time and like ability, you're not a beginner anymore. It's hard to think that way. I know. I still think I'm a beginner, but you're not. I'm not either. We've been doing this for a little bit now. I'm curious, like the past year, the time that we met is like approaching, like from a year ago, because it was in May. That's crazy. So we met 10 months ago. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. We met at RailsConf 2022. Yep. And 2023 is here and RailsConf 2023 (laughs) is quickly approaching. So I'm curious, like the past year, What's that been like? One thing that I do is I look back on myself from like a year ago and I'm like, oh my God, it was so stupid. How did I not see like this and that? And I've learned all this stuff. And it's like not in the moment. It's only when I look back. So like in the past year, 
what have been your like favorite moments in Ruby and like as you're like progressing? Well, I remember around a year and a few months ago was when I switched to a new team and I felt pretty horrible switching to a new team. It was completely new code base. It was also a more established code base. So that code base was like 10 years old at times. And it was also a different stack. What I mean is like, then there's React and I'm doing more React and there's Redux and there's TypeScript and I haven't been exposed to those things. That's not even what you asked about, but that's what I remember. I remember having a horrible time. But now thinking about how I am in the same team today, I'm able to contribute and ask questions during our team meetings and even answer some questions and picking up tickets on my own and solving them. I think that's actually pretty cool because that does show me that I've grown in the past year, even though I look back and I'm like, wow, I knew nothing. But I guess that's not the point, right? The point is to look at yourself today and see how much you've grown from X amount of time ago. As far as the Ruby, your original question, I guess I've attended two conferences. I went to RailsConf last year and RubyConf Mini. I gave a talk. It was a non-technical talk, but a talk nonetheless with Andrea Fomera. And I built so many connections with people, meaningful connections, people who offered to share knowledge with me and pair with me because they know I love to pair. Starting this podcast, these are all things I... See, I never thought about these things until you're asking me right in this moment right now. You forgot the podcast panel, live podcast panel you were on. Yes, that was really scary, being live and being asked questions on the spot. But you killed it. I'm inspired. (laughs) What are some things that you've kind of struggled with in programming over the past year? So like we talked about all the good. What is one thing that you've struggled with a little bit and maybe even that you overcame? But as we know, there are things that we think we struggle with by ourselves, but a lot of other people are probably struggling with it too. So that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a specific thing I was struggling with, but I remember when I was first joining the Ruby community, I also did, I think it's called 100 Days of Code. Mm -hmm. And each day I would tweet about what I learned that day. And I was doing a lot of Ruby learning and I didn't want it to be like a, okay, today I learned about arrays. I wanted to actually share what I learned So each day I tweeted a Ruby tidbit that I learned. Those tweets are when I first became aware of you because it was unique in that I hadn't seen a lot of people who were trying to get in and break into the industry. I have like this sense, like I have this feeling in my like bones and I believe it. It's like, I don't know, a soul or something, the voice in your head voices for me. But there are certain things like I can spot and I'm like, this person's going to make it because you can see them putting in the work. And that was like a great example of like, this person's going to get it. They're doing it. They're separating themselves from other people just by doing this. So that's like a good example for juniors of like, how can I set myself apart? Well, (laughs) share your learning online because then people know you're learning. And that's when I first became aware of you. And I was like, oh, this person's cool. Like they're out here talking about Ruby. I like Ruby. 
So I started following you. And then when you were introduced to me at RailsConf, I knew who you were from that. So good job for going out and getting it. (laughs) Putting in the work is what you were doing. You're putting in the work. The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime should not be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. A monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. Get started today in as little as five minutes at honeybadger.io with plans starting at free. Yeah, you heard me, free. A big thank you to Honey Badger for sponsoring this episode of Ruby for All. One thing I will say about sharing learnings is there were times where I shared something and there's a chance I got something wrong or there's a chance that someone has a different opinion than I do. And that's totally fine. And people have commented on it and learned even more from people interacting with me and sharing another side of whatever it was that I was sharing. So it was kind of a win-win, even though I had to step out of my comfort zone and broadcast to Twitter land, whatever it is that I was working on. It's always the uncomfortable stuff that make us grow, right? Yeah, that's like being on this podcast here. (laughs) (laughs) If someone came up to you at RailsConf this year and they were basically where you were maybe right before, right after the boot camp, what is some advice you would give them? Some things that stand out to me network. It was, even if you feel like you're not a networker or a networking type of person, I'm not a networking type of person. And that is not why I go to conferences. I go because I'm building meaningful relationships with people and they become your friends. So putting yourself out there, not worried about how you are perceived. Fair enough. There is value in being yourself especially online, because especially now with like the rise and all this generated content, generated people, there's a lot of value in being genuine. And I think as humans, we are good at sussing that out to a degree of like, this person is genuine. They're honest with me and people can pick up on that. I like when people admit that they don't know something because it made me feel like I don't need to know everything either. I like that too. I think we're kind of at the end here. I'm trying to think of anything I want to wrap on. I want to know the same questions for you. I know you're like years into it now, but I'm kind of curious about if you remember your first interview and your first day at work. Oh, I do. Challenges you had along the way. Maybe for another episode. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as you said, remember the interview, my mind like flashed back. I can like see like, things like <laughs> I literally as soon as you said that I was like transported back to like that time and I can now I can remember all of it yeah maybe we'll do that on another episode but is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up anything you want to leave people with people have told me that they appreciate when I ask questions and I think that's something I want to help instill in others and I think it was really hard for me at first asking questions because I feel like I should know the answer I shouldn't be asking or I should be looking it up and you should also do as much work as you can before you maybe just ask something that is very easily google but I think in asking questions I've been able to help more experienced folks realize that maybe they didn't know 
the concept or the topic as well as they thought they did because they couldn't explain it in a way that I could understand. You need to let people know that it's safe to ask questions, especially for managers. If you have that asshole on your team who you know is that person, because everyone knows who that person is on every team, if there is one. There isn't always one, but if there is one, everyone knows who they are. And if you see that person making it not a place, like belittling people for the questions they're asking, scoffing, you know, body language, whatever. For me, that's like the biggest of red flags and something that like I personally clamp down on if it's coming from like someone that I can talk to. But yeah, because as you're illustrating, it's so important as a junior to be able to ask questions and to get answers to them and not feel like an idiot and not be made to feel like an idiot because you're not an idiot because we all have questions. And just like you said, you help expose gaps in knowledge. For me, you've done that to me a ton of times on purpose or not. I'm like, holy crap, I can't explain this as well as I thought. And then I go learn it and then I'm better for it. And so if you want a team that is bettering each other, don't let someone put other people down. Yeah, I keep thinking about this one, this one situation. I was in pharmacy school and I had been out of rotations for six weeks. It was like an off rotation. And then I also had some minor surgery. And so I was kind of out of it. And then I went back to this one rotation and this person asked me like, what's the generic name of this one brand drug? And I kind of froze. I mean, it's very easy to look something like that up, but they just asked me on the spot and I froze and their response was like, you don't even know what the generic name of this drug is. And that completely threw off the rotation for me. And I just like, I just like like, a spike of anger when you said that like that. (laughs) And I feel like if you start doing that to people, then people close off and they can't ask those types of questions. Yeah. And then they screw up because they're afraid. They're afraid to ask for help. And so they put themselves in situations they shouldn't be. And then everyone suffers. So, well, I think this is fun. I'm a lot better at asking (laughs) questions than answering them. (laughs) Julie, thank you for coming on the podcast. No, (laughs) thank you for sharing your story because not everyone wants to share their story. It's important to have people out there that you identify with that are doing what you want to do. And you're out there killing it. And yeah, I'm proud of you. This past year, it's been a lot of fun to be your friend and like watch you grow and watch you like, make waves in like the community and like impact people's lives and help juniors and help mentor people and start book clubs and all the stuff that you've been doing. It's really cool. So keep doing it. You are so much better at words than I am. (laughs) I've had a lot of experience talking in my life. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew, for all the kind words. And if I had time, I would be crafting or curating a much better response to that. I don't have anything right now, so maybe I'll head over to ChatGPT and (laughs) have it write something for me. (laughs) Love ChatGPT. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you, Julie, for letting me interview you. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.